Hey guys, TJ here. Want to talk about something completely uh, relevant. I was going to say it's off topic, but it's absolutely relevant. It's on topic, and that's because we're talking about thinking for yourself. Thinking for yourself. Today's topic, we're going to start with a, a little history lesson, and uh, and I'm just presenting some questions. That's it. I'm talking about things that are relevant to today's world as of 2021, summer 2021. And, um, and I think it's, as you'll find, relevant to us throughout time. It's not just today. This is something that has been relevant to us throughout time and history. And I think we need to look beyond the surface level things. So I'm praying right now, Lord, give everybody who's listening grace to see past surface level things. Lord, give us the grace to see past the things that we might have chosen to come into agreement with simply because we haven't even known we have a choice. Lord, help us to understand the things that are in your eyes, not just the things that we see with our physical eyes. Help us to hear as we're just digesting what's being said here. Help us to hear what you want us to hear, not even what TJ, what I'm saying, Lord, but help us to to, to really just come to you and, and filter all of this through you and your character. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for being here, guys. If you get value, please leave a rating or review. I appreciate you. Let's start this episode a little differently. We're going to do a quick lesson from history. And the topic today is the, quote, Spanish flu of 1918. Now, you'll understand exactly what I mean when I say, quote, Spanish flu in a second. All right, the Spanish flu, and I'm reading from history.com, which is known as, by the way, uh, the History Channel, and the number one factual entertainment brand. So that's all I'll say about that. I'm, I'm not Mr. Fact Checker. I'm not Mr. Uh, I know everything about everything because I have facts and information. I'm just reading from a source. Spanish flu has been used to describe the flu pandemic in 1918-19, and the name suggests the outbreak started in Spain. But the term is actually a misnomer and points to a key fact. Nations involved in World War I didn't accurately report their flu outbreaks. Now, historians aren't exactly sure where the 1918 flu strain began, but the first recorded cases were at a U.S. Army camp in Kansas in March 1918. By the end of 1919, it had infected up to a third of the world's population and killed some 50 million people, about 1% of the world's population at the time. It was the worst flu pandemic in recorded history. Now, hear me when I say that, the worst flu pandemic in recorded history. However, it was likely exacerbated by a combination of censorship, skepticism, and denial among warring nations. Now, this is interesting. Worst virus virus or worst pandemic in recorded history, but strangely it was exacerbated or made worse by censorship, meaning nations not wanting to tell their people about it. Why would you censor or keep information from the public when they're facing the most deadly pandemic in recorded history? Well, two, two reasons, just naturally. Number one, you don't want to demoralize people during wartime. That, that's understandable. Now, questionable, but understandable. Number two, you want to present a strong united image when you're warring against other nations. Okay, fine. I understand that. 
Think about this, though. I'm going to repeat something I read earlier. Nations involved in World War I didn't accurately report their flu outbreaks. Spain remained neutral throughout World War I, and its press freely reported its flu cases. So more cases reported in Spain, plus other nations not reporting or under-reporting their numbers, equals what we now know as the Spanish flu. It was labeled as the Spanish flu because the numbers were being reported out of Spain. Meanwhile, numbers from other nations were not being reported or were being underreported. Uh, another word for that would be misrepresented. It's interesting to me, right? So this, this all, of, all of these things combined led to the misperception that the flu had originated or was at its worst in Spain. Basically, it gets called the Spanish flu because Spanish media did their job. Spanish media did their job and reported the numbers. Now, when the flu broke out in 1918, wartime press censorship was more entrenched in European countries because Europe had been fighting since 1914. And in history, remember here now, the United States only entered the war in 1917. It's hard to know the scope of the censorship since the most effective way to cover something up is to not leave publicly accessible records of its suppression. Discovering the impact of censorship is also complicated by the fact that when governments pass censorship laws, people often censor themselves out of fear of breaking the law. There's a social construct for this too. It's called shame. Discovering the impact of censorship is also complicated by the fact that when governments pass censorship laws, people often censor themselves out of fear of breaking the law. If there's a social contract with people around what is and isn't appropriate based on preconceived ideas, shame is one way to keep people quiet because there's fear in asking a question. One example of governments creating a law. In Great Britain, which fought for the Allied powers, the Defense of the Realm Act was used to a certain extent to suppress news stories that might be a threat to national morale. In other words, they created a law that was used to suppress news stories, media, that might be a threat to the national morale. So the title of this publicly available history.com article is as the 1918 flu emerged, cover up and denial helped it spread. And the lesson here is a question. By suppressing the real numbers, this is my question, in an effort to prevent more panic, did more people suffer a fatal consequence? By suppressing the real numbers, in an effort to prevent more panic, did more people suffer a fatal consequence? And th this is my call to action. I just want you to think for yourself, what information is being censored or removed in our world today? That's just a question. You don't, you don't need to make this a political thing. You don't need to make this an emotional thing. It's just a sincere question. What, informa what information is being censored or removed in our world today? 
I mean, it's it's hard to figure that out, right? If we go back to what was said earlier, discovering discovering the true level of censorship is really difficult to figure out when it's complicated by the fact that people censor themselves out of fear. Government passes laws to keep media from sharing news stories that might demoralize the public or maybe even the media companies themselves take it into their own hands. What information is being censored or removed in our world today? Just a question. And the other question, what information is being promoted? I think if you can just kind of separate those two ideas and maybe even start with the second question first, what information is being promoted? Well, that's an easy one. It's just easier to see what's being promoted. Look at any advertisement. Look at things that are showing up on your digital world. That's by design. And what information is being censored or removed in our world today? Well, that's another question to be asking. And maybe it's easier to answer if you see what's being promoted. A different way, okay? And this is just the way I've been reflecting or considering, you know, the last however many months, just where we've been. You have a large protests, large protests, check, but small home gatherings, X. Home Depot, check. Local hardware store, X. Terrorist groups on large media platforms, check. But credible physicians speaking against suggested national solutions, X. These are just observations. I'm not coming to a conclusion. I'm just making observations. Now, my next question, really simple question. Have you ever worked for somebody who made you feel dumb or ashamed for asking somewhat obvious questions, just observational questions? Have you ever worked for somebody... You know, you, you, you turn over to, the, to your right or left, and as I guess this was back when people were in offices, and you say, hey, hey man, can you show me this? Can you, uh, I just have a quick question about that. And then their response is defensiveness, and they make you feel dumb for asking that question. All right, I've, I've actually been in position like this, where I felt dumb in the workplace for asking somewhat obvious questions. And it's a form of, getting you to stop asking questions. The reaction, the defensiveness is a form or way of trying to get you to stop asking questions. If that doesn't resonate, maybe you've dated somebody who got defensive when you were just innocently curious. Hey, like, what was, who was that on your phone? What was that thing? What are you doing? You're just asking the question, hey, what are you doing? They're on their phone. What are you doing? And they get defensive and want to hide something, want to keep something from you. Or maybe your friends or family have done this to you, speaking down to you as if you only have questions because you're missing the obvious. I'll leave you with this. Number one, assume the best in people. It's very easy to get caught up in the swirl. The swirl of, well, this is all planned. This is all nefarious. This is all bad. This is all part of the Antichrist agenda. All of those, just, just, Number one, assume the best in people. Nine times out of 10, people are ignorant. Nine times out of 10, people are ignorant. Ignorant means not knowing. And, and there, you have to be able to assume the best in people. How else can you see people 
live into their God-given potential if you don't actually believe they have God-given potential? How else? You got to call that out of them, okay? If you're looking for gold, you're going to find it. If you're looking for dirt, you're going to find it. That's true of me. That's true of anybody. So number one, assume the best in people. Number two, think for yourself. Number three, don't stop asking questions. The minute we're afraid to ask questions is the minute we're afraid to challenge our own or others' narratives. We are called to be a light, and that light shines through us and into dark places, places where things hide if we let it. But the minute we're afraid to ask questions is the minute we're more comfortable dimming our light so other people can feel comfortable in their own blindness. Be kind, be curious, but do not be ashamed. There is nothing wrong with you for asking questions.